0: Hello and welcome to a history of Japan. Season 8, episode 19, The Golden Age of Renga. The Muromachi period witnessed some change in the world of poetry, which we should first document before exploring the poetry itself. A Japanese phrase we will frequently discuss next season is gekokujō which means the low oppressing the high. It is often used to describe when a cadet clan would usurp the authority enjoyed by its forerunner, or when a peasant rebellion would defeat a punitive force of samurai. Poetry during the Muromachi period experienced something of its own, gekokujō. During the Kamakura period, waka poetry was still considered the most aesthetically pleasing to both the kuge and the samurai, the Tenka style became especially dominant with its syllabic pattern of 57577 and tendency toward elevated aesthetics. However, in the early days of the Kamakura shogunate, there was an attempt to introduce a new form of poetry into elite circles. The new poetry was called Renga, and although it featured a similar syllabic structure, its true innovation was utilizing collaborative verse. The beginning of a renga stanza, the 575 portion, would be composed by one poet, and the last two seven-syllable lines would be written by another composer in response to the preceding stanza. The first poem to qualify as a renga was actually written during the Nara period, but it did not begin to overtake Waka poems until the early 1200s. Poetry parties became extremely lively during this time, as poets would drink and compose responses to one another, often sharing laughs over ribaldry and clever turns of phrase. However, after the Joukyuu War, in which the Kamakura shogun defeated an army of imperial loyalists, Renga migrated from the court into the countryside, as commoners in springtime began practicing Hana no Moto Renga, or Renga Under Blossoms. They would gather under blooming spring trees like cherry blossoms and persimmons and compose call and response stanzas with one another for fun. This custom was well established by the time the Nanbokucho Wars came around, and Renga gradually began making its way back to the parties of courtiers and ranking samurai during the Muromachi. Nijo Yoshimoto was a kuge supporter of the Northern Court, who was well known as an expert composer of tanka, but also helped popularize Renga. In addition to serving as daijo daijin, or chancellor, along with a host of other high offices throughout the mid 1300s, he authored more than six books on the subject of poetry, ranging from critique and theory to collected anthologies. Another famous student of waka and renga poetry was our old friend Imagawa Ryoshun, the Tandai of Kyushu whom we discussed in episode 9, A Nation Somewhat United. When he wasn't busy displaying grand strategic genius and costly punitive measures in nearly equal measure, Ryoshun was an ardent admirer of the popular poetry styles of his day. He was contemporaries with Nijo Yoshimoto, and the critiques which both men wrote were generally in accord with one another. However, Nijo Yoshimoto died in 1388, while Imagawa Ryoshun would continue getting involved in political intrigues until his death in 1420. Before his death, however, he met with an enigmatic Buddhist monk named Tetsu, who had sought him out in 1400 and asked to learn the way of poetry from him. In addition to their relationship as student and teacher, Ryoshun and Shotetsu also shared a religious connection, and Shotetsu sought to enter the cloister of Tofukuji, one of the Kyoto Gozan temples which Ryoshun himself had belonged to before leaving the cloth and returning to life in politics and warfare. The temple of Tofukuji was famous for its support of Renga poetry, and Shotetsu not only did well there, but caught the attention of Shogun Ashikaga Yoshimochi, who praised Shotetsu's work and favored the kuge group with whom he associated. This particular group was led by the Reizei family, a kin group descended from Fujiwara Michinaga, the most powerful of the Fujiwara regents of the Heian period. They had maintained their status as respectable kuge through scholarship and poetry, but they were far from the only Kuge clan to use aesthetics and taste as a means of gaining access to power. Their primary rival was the Asukai family, who were descended from famous Kamakura period poet Fujiwara Masatsune. The Asukai family favored a more conservative approach to poetry and turned their nose up at the wild and often drunken Renga parties and the so-called verses they produced. This mattered little to Shotetsu until his patron Ashikaga Yoshimochi died, and his brother Yoshinori took charge as the new shogun. Yoshinori favored the Asukai family and their respectable old-school approach to poetry. The Reizei family was, for a time, reduced in their political influence. In many ways, little had actually changed since the Heian period when it came to the intersection of aesthetics, taste, and politics. Those who produced or supported great art, or at least the shogun's idea of great art, often received rank promotions, high office appointments in the daijo daikon, and official sponsorship and patronage. But a change in leadership could spell doom if the new leader did not see the value in the art you produced. The elevation of Yoshinori in 1428 was only the beginning of Shotetsu's many misfortunes. If biographies of the unfortunate monk are to be believed, the new shogun harbored a particularly acute dislike for Shōtetsu, and actually had him placed under house arrest at one point and confiscated some of his ancestral estates. In 1432, in the midst of the drama unfolding with Shōgun Yoshinori, Shōtetsu's residence in a neighborhood on the capital's outskirts was destroyed by a fire. More than 30 volumes of his poetry was consumed by those flames, as well as his books and correspondences. The most severe hardship, however, was still on the horizon. A new imperial anthology of poetry was announced, which was titled the Shinshou Kukokin Wakashu, and Asukai Masayo placed in charge of selecting which verses would make the cut. Being a member of the Asukai family, he specifically excluded all of Shōtetsu's submissions. This was a terrible blow, as every Japanese poet dreamed of having their words included in imperial anthologies because it would secure their fame for all time. Obscurity was the real enemy, and by the late 1430s, Shōtetsu fell into a deep depression and spent a lot of time alone, not writing poetry or attending any parties. Nothing lasts forever though, and the assassination of Ashikaga Yoshinori in 1441 was great news for Shōtetsu, who soon had his ranks and offices restored along with the others connected to the Reizei family. In fact, by the time Yoshimasa was installed as shogun in 1449, Shōtetsu was already very close with the new shogun, who was known for his love of poetry. It is important to note that the struggle between the traditional Nijo school, represented by the Asukai family, and the newer forms championed by Yoshimoto, Ryoshun, and Shoutetsu, was not a contest of superiority, but inclusion. Waka poetry in its tanka style would still be composed for many centuries to come. It was a question of whether to start including newer forms of poetry and newer subjects. The popularity of Renga among the common people meant that Renga could be about nearly anything, and were often humorous in nature. But Shōtetsu and his fellow Renga champions also believed that there was a possibility for Renga to still touch on subjects which were deep and intellectual. At this point, I think it's only right that we hear their words for ourselves. We will start with some of the poems of Nijo Yoshimoto, who is often referred to as the grandfather of Renga. The first is his contribution to a Hyakuin, which was one big poem composed of 100 stanzas. As per usual, I'll read the Japanese first, followed by the English interpretation. Tsuki wa yama, kaze zo shigure ni niho no umi Moon on the peak, the wind blows into rain on the lake. The next verse was written while he was observing the autumn leaves from his mountainside retreat. The sun goes down, but upon the autumn leaves the last light of evening remains. The poems of Imagawa Ryoshun likewise incorporate natural imagery, though sometimes it was personified in amusing ways. His first poem seems to have been inspired by a blustery day. Chidu hanao semete tamotoni fukitome yo so o dani kaze no nasake to omowan. The least it could do is blow the scattering blossoms into my sleeves. Then I could at least believe the wind has some compassion. The second of his poems which I've selected features a view of two groups of commoners, which would have been very unusual for poets of previous eras. Nami no Shio Yakukato, wa amano Obuneni, Takuni Narigeri. What had looked like fires, tended by seaweed burners out on the waves, turned out to be torches of flame on the boats of fishermen. We will end today's episode with a single poem of Sho Tetsu, which he wrote as his own take on an anonymous poem from the Kokin Wakashu anthology of the Heian period. Tachibana no Sakeru no kiba no kokegoro mo, furuki itamani sode no kan zosuru. Overgrown with moss, the eaves brighten with the blossoms of the orange trees. Through the old boards to my mossy robe comes the scent of sleeves of long ago. Although much had changed in politics since the Heian period, hopefully it is clear that the noble residents of the capital and the samurai as well had not abandoned Japan's aesthetic tradition. In fact, the appreciation of beauty would continue thriving during the later Muromachi period in spite of the intermittent regional warfare and occasional palace coup. One of the leaders in this cultural space was none other than Ashikaga Yoshimasa, whose contributions to Japanese culture were far-reaching and survive in many modern aesthetic practices today. Next time, we will look to the west, even further west than we normally do, and meet two intrepid travelers-slash-adventurers who hailed from Europe and North Africa respectively as they ventured east during the 12 and 1300s and visited the Court of China. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com/slash a history of Japan.